0: Okay, let's have a word of prayer. Lord, we come to you now as we uh, again have the privilege of uh, just uh, considering what it means to be in Christ. Lord, we thank you for the precious position you have placed us in. And all the benefits and privileges are that are ours. Because of being in Christ. Lord, we thank you that as we saw last week, our righteous standing in your eyes is based upon our position in Christ. It's not based upon our own righteous works. It's based upon his righteousness. Lord, I think of the subject at hand today as we look at the issue of assurance And Lord, I am thankful that the assurance of my salvation does not rest on my daily life, but it rests on the Lord Jesus Christ as our source of everything. Lord, we thank you for your Holy Spirit's tireless work in each of our lives as he seeks to conform us to the image of Christ. And Lord, we just trust that He will teach each of us this morning the truths that he has us prepared to learn. First, in the precious name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Okay, we're on page 86. Um, We got about midway through the uh, chapter last week. Um, The chapter, of course, is dealing with justification and assurance. What we're going to be dealing with today is the issue of, of assurance. Now we saw last week that our justification, our righteous standing in the eyes of God, is not based upon our daily condition. It's not based upon the life that we're living. Our righteous standing in the eyes of God is based on our position in Christ. We are declared to be righteous in Him. We are not made righteous. We are declared to be righteous. And we're declared to be righteous because uh, we have a joint account with Christ. And we looked at that a little last week. The, the fact that we are united with Christ. Christ died and canceled our sin debt. And so we bring no debt into our relationship with Christ because he's already canceled it. But we also bring no righteousness of our own into our relationship with Christ. But in union with him, we share in his righteousness. The Father, as he looks on us, he sees us clothed in the very righteousness of Christ. And so our righteous standing, as far as God is concerned, is not based on our lives; it's based on His righteousness, on His life. Uh, we saw, you know, where Paul says that, you know, uh, again, uh, He died for our sins, but He was raised again for our justification. It is His present life. His present righteousness that serves as the basis of our righteous standing in the eyes of God. Now, as we come to understand uh, justification and the basis of it, that really becomes our source of assurance. He says... Uh, starting about midway down the page right next to assurance, it says, The blessed assurance of salvation and of justification in particular is based squarely on our position in the Lord Jesus Christ as our righteousness. So another benefit of our position in Christ is this assurance, assurance of our salvation. You know, as we come to understand justification, we come to see, you know, that we can have utter and complete confidence in our our salvation. Why? Because it doesn't rest on you and me. It doesn't rest on our lives. It doesn't rest on what we're producing. It rests upon Him. And he says, being, ju- uh, being non experiential, justification never can be founded on our condition. Our condition will, let's see, I, you know, our condition will never have anything to do with our justification. Now, the more I come to understand who I am and what I have in Christ, the more it has the potential to change my daily life. Because the more I come to understand all that I am and have in Christ, the more it brings my focus back on Him. And the more my focus is on Him, the more it changes everything. If I think for a moment that my righteous standing in the eyes of God somehow rests on my life, my focus gets very much on me. If I think that the assurance of my salvation rests on, you know, my life, then, again, I'm going to become more and more focused on me. And the more I'm focused on me, the more, you know, the old Adamic life is going to show its ugly face. It's only as christ becomes my primary focus that it will begin to change everything you cannot really get to know christ in a deep intimate personal way without him changing you i've never seen anybody really get to know christ in a deep personal way that wasn't changed by him I've seen a lot of people who tried to produce the Christian life and never get changed. But everybody I've ever known that really got to know Christ, it was transforming. And that's why Paul, when he spoke of his own desire, he says, I want to know him. No, he's not. I mean, this is Paul. Paul. And when he's using the word know, he's not talking about being, that that I want to be saved. You know, we tend to use the word know, you know, do you know Jesus? And we're, we're talking about generally, when we throw that term out there, you know, do we, have we come to accept him as our savior? But in the New Testament, oftentimes when it's talking about knowing, it's talking about really coming to know him. And here's the Apostle Paul, who I'm sure at, that, at the time he made that statement, knew Christ a lot better than I do. And yet he says, I want to know him. I really want to get to know him. A lot of people struggle with 1 John because they misunderstand what John's talking about when he talks about knowing. You know, they read certain things that, well, if you know him, this is going to be True. And they'll say, "Well, if it's not true in your life then you aren't saved." No, that's not what John's saying. He's saying if you really knew Christ, if you really came to know him in a in in a very deep way, it would change the way you live. And if he hasn't transformed you, you still need to grow in your knowledge of him. So, you know, he says Uh, You know, justification can never be founded on our condition, and therefore, really, assurance isn't going to come from that. Assurance of justification, he says, results when we realize... Let me throw that up here. um, Assurance of our justification results when we realize what our Father has done and said. It is never based on feelings. Someone has said, because God has spoken, I am sure. Because I am sure, I feel at rest. Colossians 3.2 exhorts us, set your mind on things above, not on things uh, on, that are on earth. So, he says, you know, our, our assurance has to go back to what God has said. Not how we feel. I'm not assured of my salvation because I woke up this morning and I feel saved. I'm assured of my salvation because I woke up this morning knowing that in the Word of God, it states that if I am in Christ, I am righteous in God's eyes. That's where my assurance comes from. My feelings can vacillate. What the Word of God says is stable. Now, you know, he goes on, he says, it is here that the first major mistake in our Christian life is made. He says, in taking the position of justification by faith in the Lord Jesus, this new standing of life, began to uh, make a marked difference in our state. So he said, as we really began to see ourselves, you know, as saved individuals, as we began to understand, you know, that God had declared us righteous, you know, he said, it began to change the way we lived. But the mistake we make, you know, he says... Uh, because of this, we shifted the basis of our assurance from our eternal position to our temporal condition. We began to shift our, our, our focus from this, you know, who I am in Christ, to this, my life. You know, because I, he says, you know, we looked and felt and sounded saved, hence we were Assured of our salvation, so he said. You know, we start out well. You know, we get saved. We put our faith in Christ. We, uh, you know, accept, uh, you know, the uh, the salvation that God has provided. But you know, initially it begins to change our lives, and so we begin to put too much emphasis on our daily life. He says, you know, then one morning (laughs) came the dawn. You know, we woke up and we didn't look very saved and we didn't feel very saved and so we didn't sound very saved either. He says all day long everything and everybody went wrong. And by nightfall, we found ourselves at the end of our assurance. Why? Because we had rested our assurance on our daily life, on our daily condition, rather than resting our assurance on who we are and what we have in Christ. So he said, you know, by the end of the day, our, our assurance is shaken. Here I was for a while thinking, you know, yeah." him... I'm certain I'm saved because, you know, I'm looking saved, I'm feeling saved, I'm sounding saved. So I've got to be saved. But now, that's been shaken. He says, thoroughly shaken, we determined to rectify matters the next day. On that day, we strove to look saved, to feel saved, to sound saved. But he says, because we were centered on our condition, our day, daily life here, because we were centered on our condition, all was a rigid failure. We are not going to gain assurance, consistent assurance in that way. And so he said, you know, we all we we even began to question our salvation. Quotes from Judges 6.13. You know, if the Lord be with us, why then is all this befallen us? There Israel was saying, you know, if God's with us, why are we going through all this? And in our Christian life we can say, you know, if I'm really saved, then why is it this way? Because we've moved from the ground of who we are in Christ to making our focus very much on ourselves and our own Christian life. Which really isn't a Christian life. It's an attempt to look like a Christian life. Again, the Christian life is the Christian life. It is life in us. It's not something we produce. Many try to... Put on the appearance of a Christian life in hopes that it will become the true Christian life. But the true Christian life comes from our focus being on the Lord Jesus Christ. Abiding in Him. Him abiding in us. Anything else is just a fake. I think I said before we had a Pastor one time I used to cringe every time he said it. He used to say fake it till you make it. People who fake it never tend to make it. And that's why the world often accuses Christians of being hypocrites. A term that came out of the Greek theater, putting on a mask, playing a part. And they look at us and they say, "It's fake." It's not real. And unfortunately, they're often right. It's not real. People can see a real thing. And if Christ is truly being formed in you, they will see Christ in you. And they'll know it's real. Now, You know, God continues his work, and he says, In the Lord's time, the Comforter, that is the Holy Spirit, refocused our faith on our position by means of the Word. You know, we're struggling, we're failing, we're, you know, lacking assurance, and he says, you know, the Holy Spirit ultimately brings us back to the Scriptures and what it says. And our assurance of salvation was once again was again anchored on the rock, the Lord Jesus Christ. So you know the Spirit works to bring us back to where our focus is on Christ, not on ourselves. And he says, with this assurance reestablished, our condition began to improve. <laughs> As a result of the position in which we stood by faith. So he says, as we come back to Christ and our focus on Him, it does, once again, begin to change our daily lives. And he says, in this process, we learned what he refers to as our first important lesson. The necessity of knowing and abiding in our position. You and I must know what our position before God is. It's that of being in Christ. And that's where we've got to abide. That's where our focus has to be. That's where our life has to be lived. In Him. He says, apart from this abiding... There is nothing but frustration and failure. He quotes from Isaiah thirty two seventeen, and the work of righteousness shall be peace, and the effect of righteousness quietness and assurance forever. You know, if we abide in Christ there is peace. And we'll never be totally righteous this side of eternity, but As we abide in Christ, His righteousness is increasingly seen in and through us. And it impacts our life. He says, The Spirit, the Holy Spirit Himself, thus testifies together with our spirit, assuring us that we are the children of God. Romans 8.16 from the Amplified Translation. You know, as we're abiding in Christ, the Holy Spirit does assure us, assure us in our heart that we are God's children. Now, He says, you know, it is a temptation for many to yearn after something more tangible than the positional testimony of the Word in order to be more sure of their, uh, yeah, more sure of their assurance. He said, you know, people want something else. You know, something more than just what God said. But we're exhorted in Scripture, what? To walk by faith, not by sight. And biblical faith is based on what? It's based on the statements of God is based on the fact of what God said. Now, we, unfortunately, oftentimes don't want to just rest on what God said. We want to somehow feel like we're saved. Or or we want something tangible, something that we can look at, something that we with our five senses can uh, can, uh, see. We're wanting to walk by sight. But God says, I want you to learn to walk by faith. I want you to learn to simply live on the basis of what I said. And I am convinced that the reason this is so important to God comes out when you go back to the very beginning. To Genesis, to the Garden of Eden. What brought sin into the world? It was that Adam and Eve were unwilling to simply believe what God said. They wouldn't just take God at His word not to eat of the tree. The tree looked good. It sounded good. You know, they, they, they wanted to put their confidence in their own, you know, senses. And Satan said, oh, you know, uh, God's just trying to withhold something good from you. He's, He's not telling you the truth. And they believed Satan. They believed their own senses. They took and partook of the fruit. And God ever since then has been seeking to bring men and women to a place of being willing to live simply on the basis of what God said. And he has this lifetime to accomplish that in us. And he's going to accomplish it. He's going to teach us that we need to simply take him at his word. But we keep wanting to fall back on something else. And not say, God said it, that settles it. I'm going to take God at his word. He says, you know, it's this temptation to yearn after something more tangible. But he said, it's at this point the faithful spirit would teach us to rely on the word. He's teaching us, trust what God says here. The assurance of your salvation The assurance of your justification comes from the statements of God. It doesn't come from anything tangible that you can feel or or see. It comes from what God has stated regarding who we are in Christ. He says, nothing added. James 1.21, we are to receive with meekness the engrafted word. We're to take hold of that word. Now, he does point out, there may be other ground for assurance of our salvation. And he quotes from 1 John 3.14, we know that we have passed from death unto life because we love the brethren. But he says, this is secondary not foundational. And so, I wanna, our primary source of assurance, the one that is constantly stable, never varies, is our position in Christ. Now there is, as he points out, a secondary source of assurance and that is when our lives begin to reflect the fact of our you know changed position it can serve as a source of assurance But it's only a secondary one, and it is, it can vacillate. And that's why he says, but this is secondary, not foundational. Besides, he says, there will be times when our love for the brethren may falter, then, and then what of our assurance? If we're resting, Our assurance on this secondary source and that alone then on those days when we struggle we're going to struggle with our assurance but if our primary source of assurance is the statements of God in his scriptures then no matter what's happening over here even on those days when maybe there's a brother in Christ I'm struggling with that doesn't cause me to doubt my salvation He goes back to the Lord Jesus Christ. The witness of the Spirit is His witness to the Word, wherein lies God's revelation of our eternal position. And in that Word, He testifies concerning the Lord Jesus, who is our position before God. And, you know, I've pointed out, what, notice as you read through the New Testament epistles, how often it talks about us being in Christ or in Him. Because everything we are, everything we have in the eyes of God comes from our position in Christ. Now, he says, although the Holy Spirit abides within and witnesses to our sp- spirit, we must remember that the human spirit lies beyond the range of consciousness. And so he says, therefore, assurance of salvation is not gained through the senses. Assurance of my salvation is not gained by how I feel. Assurance of salvation is gained by what God says. And so he says, as we rest in our position... By faith in the scriptural facts, the Spirit of truth gives us a deep, inexorable assurance that cannot be altered. As we by faith continue to rest in who we are in Christ, he says the Holy Spirit is given us this deep assurance. An assurance that cannot be altered. You know, I have hard days. I have days where I, I struggle in my Christian walk. But I, I, thankfully, at this stage in my life, I never lack assurance of, of my salvation. I never lack assurance of my righteous standing in the eyes of God. And in fact... It's great in the midst of struggles to be able to say, Lord, I thank you that while I'm struggling right now, I know that I am accepted as righteous in your eyes because of the Lord Jesus Christ. That this struggle in no way alters the way you look at me. There's a peace to be found in that. So he says, you know, we come to this place where we not only believe, we know. Our knowledge is established in the eternal, spirit-ministered scriptures. Quoting Paul in 2 Timothy 1:12, For I know whom I have believed. And I am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. Paul says, I know the one I've put my confidence in. And I know he's able to keep keep me. Now he says all seemed so simple and solved during the infant stage of our Christian life. You know, when we first started out, everything seemed pretty simple. In fact, I've heard a lot of testimonies of new believers that make all sorts of claims and things, and, you know, everything seems so, so simple. But he says, But the Lord must take us from the milk to meat to become responsible, spiritually intelligent adult believers. We must not only become firmly and clearly established in the deeper truths ourselves, but must be qualified to share them effectively with others. And that last part of that statement is important to keep in mind. God is very concerned about developing you and me in our relationship with Him. But He also has the desire of developing you and me in our relationship with Him to the point that He can use us to develop others in their relationship with Him. You know, we're not really going to be much... Uh, help to others in in convincing them of that they can be assured of their salvation if we're struggling with it. We've got to come to rest in this area before we can be used by God to bring rest to others. And really, you know, justification and assurance, he has these at the beginning of this section in the book because they're really foundational to the rest of what we're going to be looking at. If from day to day you're struggling with, am I saved or am I not saved? Am I saved or am I not saved? If the, if you're struggling with that, the rest of what Scripture has to say to the believer really becomes meaningless. You know... We're going to go on to see reconciliation and acceptance. If you are struggling with assurance of your salvation, what uh, Scripture has to say about reconciliation is kind of meaningless because, well, reconciliation only uh, only uh, is significant if I'm truly saved. And if I'm not sure that I'm really saved, <coughs> you know, uh, The truths regarding reconciliation can't really apply to me. Acceptance. You know, if you're struggling with assurance of your salvation, what Scripture says about God's acceptance of the believer is never going to have its impact in your life because you're wrestling back and forth with your assurance. You've got to come to believe God regarding your source of justification. When you come to believe God concerning your source of justification, then you are in a place where you can believe God regarding your assurance that you are indeed His child. Not based on anything you do but on the basis of him, on the basis of the Lord Jesus Christ. And then you can begin to encourage others. He says, once we are sure and sound, the Lord can establish others through us. He quotes from 1 Corinthians 14.8, But if the trumpet give an uncertain sound, who shall prepare himself for battle? If the message you're giving is a mixed message, it's really not going to have much of an impact. And so he says, until we are solidly founded on the first principles of spiritual birth, which have to do with justification and assurance, we cannot be taken on to the principles of growth and maturity. These are foundational. We've got to come to grips with them. He said, for everyone that useth milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. But strong meat belongs to them who are full age, even to those who, who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. He says, therefore, leaving the principles of the doctrine uh, of Christ, let us uh, go on unto perfection, unto maturity. And he cites an example, here, uh, an illustration here at the end. He says, as the electric eye of the space capsule locks onto its designated star for guidance and maintenance on its heavenly course, so we are to fix our eye of faith on our heavenly position, the bright and morning star. Thus, in fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith, we shall find experientially that the path of righteousness is like the light of dawn that shines brighter and brighter until the full day. says, so just like the satellite is... is Uh, guided by locking in on a star. He said our lives are guided by having our our eyes focused where they need to be on the Lord Jesus Christ. And as we do that, things will fall into place. Again, our struggle is that we time and again get focused on our lives. We get focused on us. We see the struggles we have. We see the failures we have. We want those things to be fixed. And we try to fix them. And Christ time again is just calling us to Him. Look at me. Look at me. Look at me. Look at me. You know, my favorite quote probably in this whole book is found on page 16, and I'll read it. Where it says, Norman Doughty writes, If I am to be like Him, that is Christ, then God in His grace must do it. And the sooner I come to recognize it, the sooner I will be delivered from another form of bondage. Throw down every endeavor, and say, I cannot do it. The more I try, the farther I get from his likeness. What shall I do? Ah, the Holy Spirit says, you cannot do it. Just withdraw, come out of it. You've been in the arena. You've been endeavoring. You are a failure. Come out and sit down. And as you sit there, behold him. Look at him. Don't try to be like him. Just look at him. Just be occupied with him. Forget trying to be like him. Instead of letting that fill your mind and heart, let him fill it. Just behold him. Look upon him Through the Word. Come to the Word for one purpose, and that is to meet the Lord. Not to get your mind cramped full of things about the sacred Word, but come to meet the Lord. Make it a medium, not of biblical scholarship, but of fellowship with Christ. Behold the Lord. Unfortunately, all too often we try to make this book about us. We go to this book to try to fix our lives. And I think Dowdy is right when he said, we need to go to this book to meet the Lord. To really get to know Him. You say, well, it says a lot of things in there about our lives. Yeah, it does. And I think those are meant to keep pushing us back to Christ. Christ. Because as we read these things and we find that our lives do not measure up, it's not that we need to try harder. We need to realize that if our lives are not at that point, that we need to go back and grow more in our understanding of who we are and what we have in Christ. You know, for 2,000 years... Israel thought that the law had been given to them to make uh, teach them how to be righteous. And then Paul comes on the scene and he says, that wasn't the purpose at all. He says the whole reason the uh, law was given to show man their need of Christ, their need of a Savior. And all too often we look at you know, the various things regarding the Christian life in the New Testament. And we think, they're there to instruct us how to live the Christian life. No, like the law, they're there to show us our need of Christ. They're to keep pointing us back because, you know, we look at and, and, and we often try to do it and then we do like He says. We come to that place and we say, I can't do it. And God says, that's right. You can't. Quit trying to produce the Christian life and make Christ your focus. And He will. He will change you. He will change you. The more you come to know Him, the more He'll change everything. Yeah, until now. And you know, the beauty of all this is the Lord brings us
1: through whatever He has to take us through to brings us to this place. And yeah.
0: I can't do it. And just being at our wits end, I was just thinking about back when we were at the Bible school and, I came, and we figured out I had lung disease and there was a lot of pain involved in that still is. And this, the, the young guy that taught Greek all them, comes to me and he Joe, now I have one and I am dying. The pain is so mm. bad and I cannot stand this. Tell me, what do you do? How do you live? I just don't know what I can do. With him out, the Lord uses this to draw me to my be same. Because I can't do it. But He can. Mm. And as He and me to go day by day, He causes me to be ever more dependent on Him. And that's is what this life is about. Mm. So dare I question it. No. Did I question it? Did I ever ask the Lord mm. But He didn't do that. No. Okay. Only because of Him. Only because of Him. No. And it's just, again, a beautiful thing to be able to share with people. Because most people, well, all people are suffering in some way. And God wants to use us, and especially in the day of religion, We have opportunities, and I see it, I hope you do, that we have more than we've ever had. And here we are with the truth that can set people. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. There's so much purpose in what God's doing in all of yeah. so much. Yeah. And it's worth the journey. Yeah, the Lord, I mean, each of us is individual. God deals with us each differently. Um, you know, we think, well, that's not fair. No good. God knows what you need, he knows what I need, and he's going to deal with us each the way we need to be dealt with, and everything is geared towards bringing us to a place of really having Christ formed in us by abiding in him, and for some it's going to be health issues he's going to use, others it's financial issues, Uh it's going to be all sorts of things. But God wants to bring us to that place where we say, God, I cannot do this Christian life And he's going to say, yes, you're right, you can't. But Christ can. Make him your focus. Get your eyes on him. Abide in him and let him abide in you. And see what he will do when he is given that place. Okay, we're out of time. Let me just say we won't have Sunday school next week or the following week. Next week's Christmas Eve and the following week is New Year's Eve. Uh, so the next time we'll be doing this study will be on uh, the 7th of January. Let's close in prayer. Lord, we thank you now for the assurance we have of our justified position in your eyes. Assurance that comes from your statements. Lord, may we learn to just put our confidence in what you have said. Not to put our confidence in our own lives, in our own actions, in what we would like to consider our own successes. But Lord, may we put our confidence in you. Lord, we thank you for the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, for the fact that he is our source of everything that we will ever need in time or in eternity. Everything necessary for life and godliness. Lord, we look forward now to being able to to praise you in song there in the, the main service and spend more time in your word. We just look to your spirit to work in each of our hearts. First, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.